Oh man, give us the word of God. How many of you ready to hear from Austin and appreciate him and his ministry and what he and Kelsey are doing here, man? Thank you, thank you. All right, open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1. If you are new to church, new to Christianity, new to the Bible, it is the very first book. It is the very first page once you get past the index. Uh, open your phone, open your Bibles. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 27. Verse 27, this is the creation story. This is where we're starting this morning. It's, a, it's the first thing that we are told in the Bible, and I feel like it is the first thing that we need to fully grasp and recognize in order to understand who our God really is. Will you join me in reading verse 27? God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air, and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life, I give every green plant for food. It was so. We need to stop right now and extrapol extrapolate the implications of those three words. It was so. It is so easy for us to go about our lives going through our routines, that we fail to sometimes recognize the bigness, the grandness, the majesty, the power of the Lord God Almighty, who is so powerful that by the utterance of his word, things that were nothing were all of a sudden something. There's no other being to have ever existed or will ever exist that will have that power. And I think it is important before we move any further this morning that we take just three seconds here and just let ourselves soak in how big and how grand and how powerful our God is and how holy he must be to have that authority. So here's what we're going to do. This is a little unconventional around here, but we're going to take three seconds in silence. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to let go of your distractions from the week. You let go of the person sitting on your right or your left. And I want you to focus on the goodness, the grandness, and the holiness of God. You ready? Let's take a deep breath. One, two, three. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that you are faithful from generation to generation, God that you are sovereign over all things, that you hold all things in the palm of your hand and that there is nothing that comes our way that catches you off guard. God, thank you that you sit on a throne on high in heaven above the earth, above creation, that you have dominion and authority over all. And God, any authority that we have is only that which you trust us with. God, thank you that you are that kind of God today. We love you, God. Be with us in this service. Amen. 
Verse 31 says, God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You see, at creation, Adam and Eve perfectly fulfilled their plan and purpose for their lives in that moment. They were holy in the holy presence of God. They were the only human beings in our, uh, in history who could be in the literal presence face to face with God walking among them in the garden. The Bible tells us this. And so they were also naked in the garden, right? We've heard this before. They were naked in the garden. And we've heard that they were naked because there was no shame, that there was no sin, that there was no judgment, that there was no um, impairment. But I, I feel like the Lord taught me something new this week. They were also naked in the garden because man and woman were not made to bear the image of anything other than the image of our holy God. We were not intended to be clothed with our character traits or what we see ourselves as or what we think we're even good at. We are called and created to bear the image of God, to be like God. We were literally made in his likeness, in his image. And the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were created the first human beings. If we believe that the Bible is true, if we believe the creation story, if we believe that Adam and Eve were sinless and then sinned, we can also extrapolate from that, that we are all descendants from Adam and Eve. And so therefore, the same thing, the same blood that was pumping through their veins that was designed to be holy in the image of God, also pumping through your veins and my veins. Our design is to be holy. Sin entered the garden and made Adam and Eve not holy anymore. Therefore, they went and they got the fig leaves and they covered themselves up in shame because let me just give you a little nugget. They didn't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they were hungry. They ate it because they were deceived into thinking that they were made to be more than what they were made to be. They wanted to be on closer to a level of godness. They were deceived into that. But we were created to be holy. Birds were designed to fly, fish were designed to swim in the same way that we were designed to be holy. And I don't know about you, but if I saw a bird swimming or a fish flying, I'd be really concerned about like its well-being and its mental health because they are not acting and living in the way that they were designed to flourish. In the same way, when we do not live our lives pursuing holiness, pursuing who God made us to be, I'm concerned for our soul and for our well-being because you cannot flourish in this life if you are not living like you were meant to live, holy before God. My word for this morning can be summed up in two words. Be holy. He made you holy. To be holy. Be holy. 
Over the last year, we've all been affected in some way or another by a virus. We've either spent time and energy avoiding it, hiding from it, or we've spent time and energy dealing with the consequences of the aftermath of our experience with it. And the Lord has challenged me this week. Have we been more concerned about our wellness than our holiness? See, health and wellness are good, and those are biblical principles that we should desire. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, you, and you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Listen, I am not advocating for reckless living in the natural. I'm not telling you to um, take unnecessary risks or chances. What I am challenging you on this morning is where are our priorities? Because who cares what happens to this physical body when we die? And that we are going to become the dust of this earth again. How is the health of your spirit? How is the health of your soul? What are you pursuing? We have changed our habits and our routines in order to maintain our physical health. I want to know, are you changing your habits and your routines? to elevate your spiritual health. We have adopted new personal safety measures. Have you been adding guardrails around your soul? We have sheltered from a virus. I want to know, have you been sheltering from the people who have been deceiving you into thinking that you are, are something that you're not? Anything other than made in the image of God? Are we putting as much effort into our souls as we as are natural? Over the last year, we have spent time and energy trying to convince people that the answer to life and happiness and meaning is on the left or the right side of an aisle. We have been more concerned with the color of a tie a president wears. I want to know. Are we more concerned with wearing the image of God or are we more concerned with wearing an association with people we fit in with? Where are our priorities? Titus 3.9 tells us, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. Hear this, for they are unprofitable and worthless. I'm not saying don't care. We should care. I believe that the Bible sets precedent that we should care about politics, about what is going on in this world, about who is elected, who is not, what the rule of the land is. I feel, I feel like there is biblical evidence for that. But if you are placing a higher priority, let me rephrase, if you care more about who is sitting in the White House than you do about who is sitting in your heart, if you care more about the executive actions that he signs into place, then you do the commandments of the Holy Scripture. You don't have a healthy soul this morning. I'm just being blunt. This is the word that I feel like the Lord has given me, and i got to be honest with you. I'm going to stop right here and tell you, I do not want to preach this message. 
I had another message prepared that I was so excited about. I was like, God, you have spoken. This is great. And then he stopped me and said, nope, that was for you. I have something else for them. I am not preaching a message this morning to condemn the way we did or did not act about a virus or the way we did or did not act about an election. I am preaching a message this morning that I want to, that I trust that the Lord will convict your hearts on as much as he has convicted mine over the last three days. I have never preached a word, written a word, that has forced me to my knees in repentance more than this one has in my own life. You see, over the last year, we've also spent a lot of time focusing on race and the color of our skin and what divides us. But I wonder what would happen if we united under the banner of our creator God, recognizing that we were all created different, but all created under the same image of the same God. What a difference that would be. What a difference that would be. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Jesus Christ. Acts 17, 26 and 27. From one man, he being God, made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth, determining their set times, their fixed limits of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope or desperately reach, another translation would say, around for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. It does not matter the color of your skin, your political uh, belief or ideology. It does not matter where you stand on this issue or that issue. He is close to every one of us. He wants to be active in every one of our lives. He wants to rescue, redeem, and to save those that are far from him. And it does not matter how far they are. The Bible tells us that he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. They're not that far. Even when we're not in a pandemic, even when we're not in an election year, even when we're not in civil unrest, we still make decisions every single day about the health and the wellness of our bodies, of our lives, of our families, of our children, of our grandchildren, of our parents, our grandparents. We make decisions. Some of you are caretakers for someone in your family. We make decisions for them. And I just wonder... Are we making those kind of same intentional decisions every day in our lives for the health of our souls? Are we pursuing holiness, godliness, righteousness, contentment? Are we pursuing? The answer to my wonderings this morning, what if we did these things, is we would be holy but I want to stop right here for a second because I want to address something. 15-year-old Austin would have just heard this and run with it, and it would have been like, oh, yeah, great. God made me be holy, so I'm going to run out, and I'm going to preach the good news to every single person that I come across in contact with. And when I'm in Quick Trip and when I'm in Racetrack and when I'm in the grocery store, I'm going to find someone, I'm going to preach the gospel. 30-year-old Austin, who's lived a little bit of life, has a few scars, who has been through a little bit of stuff, recognizing, recognizes that there's a little bit of a paradox here in what I'm preaching. I'm telling you to be holy, but you can't be holy on your own. 
God is not calling us to be something that we cannot ever achieve. He is calling us to walk in step with the Holy Spirit being led and guided into holiness, into his presence. Because at the end of the days, when we take our last breath or the Lord brings us all to heaven, in that moment, we're going to answer for every decision we've made, action we've taken, word we've said. We're going we're to be held accountable for those things. The Bible teaches us that. And when we enter into heaven, should we enter into heaven, we are then going to be made holy in the presence of a holy God with a new body that does not experience sin, that does not experience impairment, that does not experience judgment, that does not experience sadness or death. Are you ready for that? When you stand in front of him, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and be holy as I am holy. Are we ready? Are we preparing? If we refocus our purpose, our time, and our energy to pursue holiness over status, holiness over health, holiness over acceptance, dare I even say holiness over the justice of man, we would actually be living like the Christians we were made to live like. If our priority was on heavenly things, godly things, holy things, and we were to let everything else fall by the wayside that really has no bearing on eternity, we would actually be living what the Bible tells us to live. I don't know if that's a wake-up call for you this morning as much as it was for me over the last three days, but I have been driven to my knees with the Lord bringing things to light that have been hidden in the darkness of my heart you need to cleanse yourself from this. Driving just the other day, got cut off, said something that I really wasn't proud of, and the Lord said, holiness, Austin, pursue holiness. They didn't hear you, but I did. But I did. What are you doing in the secret place? What are you doing when no one's around you? What are you doing when they are? Are you changing who you are in order to be accepted or to fit in? Or so you don't get canceled? Listen, canceling is not a new word or term or uh, idea in the 21st century. The Bible tells us to cancel things and people out of our lives that are not good and beneficial and edifying for our souls. The world has just taken that principle and perverted it. If you are canceled for standing up for Jesus, then let me tell you, you are in good company because Jesus was too. And if you have never been canceled as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ, then I wonder, I just wonder, are we living our lives radically enough for him? If, you did, if you've never made someone uncomfortable by the truth of the gospel in your life, is it evident enough in your life? I don't know the answer. It's just a thought. There are exceptions to everything, but I think we can all agree, right, that wellness is better than sickness. We agree with that? Wellness is better than sickness. That rightness is better than wrongness. That justice is better than injustice. We all agree. So then why do we come to church, raise our hands, and shout amen to a preacher when, when we're feeling particularly spiritual? And then we walk out the doors and we act ambivalent and indifferent and numb to the difference between holiness and unholiness in our lives. Rightness and wrongness, health and sickness 
Those are opposites of each other. You cannot live in both of those at the same time, just like you cannot live your life in pursuit of holiness and still act unholy at the same time. You cannot do it. You can try, but you cannot do it. One, at some point, one of the two is going to capture your attention. And I'm, I'm here this morning to tell you that God is calling us to shift our focus back to heaven, back to the Bible, back to the principles and the teachings of the Holy Word of God, that we start looking like Jesus again. You were created for holiness, and holiness requires your participation the same way that your health does. Leviticus 11.45, for I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God, and you are to be holy because I am holy. First Peter 1, 14 and 16, he, he then references the Old Testament and the New Testament here. Watch this. Like obedient children do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. So how do we be holy? That's the question this morning, right? There's three things for you. We must study the text that describes the one who is holy. We must read our Bibles and enact the principles of God in our everyday lives. Number two, we must pray. We must ask God to search our hearts and our lives and to reveal the things to us that are unholy and that need removing. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 this is a prayer of David to God. He said, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to challenge you for one week. Wake up every morning and say that prayer. See the difference it makes in your life. See if your attitude doesn't shift and adjust. See if your temper is not a little longer before you snap off. See if you don't make a little bit wiser decisions just by inviting God every day to, to lessen you and increase himself. Number three, we must remain steadfast in our faith. We must live our lives consistent, 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 consistent with what the Bible teaches. That is how we be holy. We will not be holy until we are in the presence of Almighty God. But we are charged to live lives in pursuit of being as holy as we can possibly be in this moment. And, and the goal, holier in the next moment. And the goal, holier in the next moment. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's very hard to see that becoming a Christian or being a Christian is becoming less and less popular. In fact, I would even say that it, the world is becoming increasingly hostile towards Christians and particularly Jesus. And so it is now more important of a time than ever that we are rooted in the word of God, that we are living our lives consistent 
with what Jesus taught, with the way that he lived his life as our example to follow. Remaining in the gray area between holiness and unholiness is not acceptable in the end, and it is impossible for you to flourish there right now. It is sloppy faith. It is what the Bible calls in Revelation at the end of times, lukewarm faith. The Bible teaches us that Jesus will literally just spit out of his mouth and want nothing to do with. If we are not careful, we live as if saying, I'm sorry when I say my prayers as I lay my head down at night is enough. And it's not. Apologies and repentance are not synonyms. They are similar, but they are not synonyms. The blood is enough to cover all of your sins, but the blood also requires your participation to live under the blood, being washed from the blemishes and the sins of yesteryear, forsaking them because it was old Austin that lived that life. It is new Austin that lives now in the authority and in the power and in the anointing of God. And you can throw in your name in there. I want you to throw your name in there. Old is gone. New is here now. Live now. I promise I'm bringing this to a close. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, if you believe that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, according to 1 John 1, 9, I want you to say amen right now. Say amen if you believe that. If you believe that God is a healer, that he is still active and working and healing in this earth, I want you to say amen right now. So I want to ask you a question. Because God is healer, he is, the Bible even calls him Jehovah Rapha. Because God is Jehovah Rapha, can you just run out into that street and play chicken with a car and expect your body and your life to just continue as normal when you do get struck? Because God heals, right? So why do we run out into the street and play spiritual chicken with our sins? Expecting God to respond to our casual response to our call to be holy like he is holy. We cannot live this way. We cannot live raising our hands on Sunday and then raising our hands another way on Monday. And now that might be an extreme example for some, but the Lord is just convicting me just this morning on my drive here of my attitude towards other drivers. That's not, I'm not being holy in that moment. The Lord has been convicting me as to whether or not I've been enacting discernment in my life as I raise my kids. I'm not being holy if I'm not asking him how to lead them and to lead me in leading them. I'm not being holy if I think that I have it all together and I can do this myself. Be holy. Apologies involve words. Repentance demands action. Repentance without action is useless. It accomplishes nothing. 
My son just recently has started to discover, um, it's my fault, but the excitement of violence. <laughs> I let him watch um, a superhero movie, an adult one. I'm an idiot. <laughs> the next day he wakes up and he's you know, wanting to punch me and he's wanting to wrestle with me. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. And so we're on the floor and we're wrestling. But a couple of days go by. My son's three, by the way, if you don't know Ezra. A couple of days go by and I look out of the corner of my eye and I see Ezra playing with my one-year-old Presley the same way he played with me. And I just thought, oh no, <laughs> we are in trouble. I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot where I was going with that story. <laughs> can we just break some ice this morning? That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. I'm, I can laugh at myself. That's okay. That's okay. I have no idea. All right. <laughs> Second Corinthians 7. <laughs> Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Let's read this together. We're wrapping up, I promise. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that could defile the body and the spirit and thus accomplish holiness out of reverence for God. This is our roadmap. This is our formula for being holy. I want to read that again. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, the promises of the Bible, because we have the promises of the Bible, let us cleanse ourselves, cleanse ourselves from everything that could defile the body and the spirit and thus accomplish holiness out of reverence for God. We cannot earn our salvation. It is a gift. But salvation when, it, when receiving salvation, work becomes required as a response to our salvation. Out of reverence from the holy God, our Father in heaven, who saw it fit, whose heart was caring and big enough to say, I'm going to sacrifice my own son so that you can be made holy and righteous and be restored to me and that we can be holy together again one day. Can we wrap our minds around that? A father willing to sacrifice his son so that we can just be in relationship again, knowing that most won't even accept it. I just want us to, I want us to comprehend that. A father sacrifices son so that you could be reunited with the father. He died a gruesome death, a painful death, but he did not stay dead. He raised from the dead. And in the same way that we accept our salvation, we accept the fact that our sins were taken, but we are responsible to get up out of our grave, so to speak, to walk out of our old life and into our new life like Jesus did, living like he called us to live. That is our call. 
God is looking for an unashamed, unapologetic, radical pursuit of holiness that sets us apart from the rest of creation. It's what we were made for. Like I said in the, in the beginning here, this is not a sermon that I wanted to preach today. This is a sermon that I heard the Lord say, preach today. And I don't know about you because I don't know the condition of your heart. I don't know what the Lord is or isn't speaking to you in this moment. But I know that I have labored in conviction after conviction after conviction. And my prayer has been that the Lord would call us into a new level of relationship with him by convicting us of the things that are preventing us from being there. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm wrapping this up, but I'm going to open the altar. And if the Lord is convicting your heart this morning of some things that need to get out, if you need to set some things down to never be picked back up again, if you need to wait on the Lord for a breakthrough in an area of your life, if you have a particular sin, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's, um, maybe it's a marriage, conflict in a marriage, if there's something in your life that you have been asking God for and praying for and believing for and you're just waiting for that moment. I don't, know, I don't know what your thing is this morning. But if there is a thing that you need to get right with God, this is the time. His mercies are new this morning. Your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be picked back up again when we surrender to the Father, when we walk in pursuit of holiness, in repentance for our sins, and not just wasteful words of apologies, when we walk in the truth of what Jesus did for us, we're being made holy before God Almighty.